Okay. So, welcome to another episode of, of Skits Up Podcast. This is episode 41, which actually is really episode 40, because I noticed that uh, our chipmunk episode, because we uploaded it twice, it's actually jumped, it's, uh, well, it's deleted, but we actually jumped the episode in the count. So, uh, we are missing episode 33, if anyone uh, is curious enough to look at our at our feed. So, we're missing episode 33, but it still counts. So um, we really have one off on our episode count. So today is really episode 40. And today uh, our episode is Eric Burcham Reloaded. Oh, so uh, <laughs> we have a really good episode to you for you guys today. So uh, first of all, let's have our welcome. So Paul, say hi. Paul. Paul, come on. No, no Paul. Okay. Uh, Darren, say hi. How's it going, eh? What? what? Where's, the, where, where's the Canadian guy? I'm here. Oh, okay. he's here. All right. You know, I'm yeah. When, here. When, when, when he's here, when we jumped on earlier, earlier to test test things out, I said, "Hey, man, how's it going?" He said, bleh, 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 bleh. "I said it is wines. I knew it was Darren wines, not Darren Weeds." <laughs> nice. We also have Frank Moradios. So, Frank, say hi. Say hi. Ah, uh, you're supposed to say say hi, not just hi. I- I just said said hi. That's what I did say. No, you didn't. Okay, let's I try did, again. Actually. So Frank, say hi. Frank, say hi. There you go. There you go. Nice, nice. All right. So that was just I- so <laughs> anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not really much going on there on that one. Yeah, yeah. You need. You need. Uh, do you need a few drinks, Frank? A few sips of a, of a of an adult beverage. No, dude. If if I take an adult beverage tonight, I want to pass out on you guys, man. <laughs> okay. Frank's All right. tired. What, every no, time I get on the podcast, Frank is tired. I am I beat, I, dude. Today I, today, today, I think you're living too hard, man. No, dude. Today I was in a five hour long meeting Ooh. where it was just everybody complaining. It was rough time today, man. Uh, sorry, bro. It's all right, dude. It's part of the. It's part of the. It's part of my gig. You know, I don't yeah. get to always get what it I want. Sucks. Sometimes I got. It could be so much worse, though, man. You know, so I'm blessed. At least, you have a pretty, at least you have a pretty cool gig. Yeah. That's one of the few jobs that the shit that you do outlives you, so. Yeah. No, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, Javier, should we get Frank to go first? Yeah, actually, I um, want to go first, because I want to talk about RCHO and the fall oh, poll. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, but, uh, but we haven't introduced our guest yet. So our guest, uh, in, indeed, uh, <laughs> after the episode name, is Eric Burcham which uh, join us for the second time down from Texas. So say hi, Eric. Now, hey. All right. Oh, I got a back. Man, we hey must have a, was that a high hey? <laughs> that was like a well, high hey? That was me. That was my, my version of flattery for uh, okay. Andy, whom, I, whom, whom we all love dearly. I'm thinking we're scraping, scraping the bottom of the barrel pretty badly here to have you back again, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Well. first it was Nick last uh, two episodes ago, and yeah. now you, man. Okay. Yeah, exactly. We, we, start, we need to start finding new guests. Shit, I should just pack it up and go home now. <laughs> we need to start finding some new guests to invite here. Yeah. All righty, so uh, let's get started then. So, uh, Mr. Frank, so tell us all about RCHO. Dude, so I have to give the the guys that run the RCHO club super congrats. They killed it. 
what an amazing event. You know, Jay Treadway and the family over there, they do an amazing job every year. I've been, this is my this is my fourth event in two years that I've gone to that club. And most of the time, it's a 12-hour drive. This time, I decided to fly. So it was a lot. It was nice, but I do miss taking all my stuff with me and having, like, my chargers and everything ready, not just my helis or just two of my helis. Um, I got there Thursday night. I got picked up by Jay at the airport. We stayed at the, um, I rented an RV and I stayed at the field, which was really, really cool. Made for a lot of fun times. And also it really helped out that af- that mid-afternoon nap that I took Friday. Really ha- had me going very, very late Friday night. So the way I can explain RCHO, RCHO, uh, so Javier, so you've been to Urcha, okay? So yeah, uh, the po- the complete polar opposite of Urcha is RCHO, right? <laughs> the feels the size of of a McDonald's parking lot. It's about that's much your that's the, your flight stations all kidding aside, and it's just like that's where grown men go to see what you're made about because the flying is super hard. They literally lit a couch on fire <laughs> yeah. and flew through it. Uh, and I was right next to uh, Scott, and he lost it a few times. You could hear in his voice, holy shit. And if you go back and find the videos on the Hangout, you'll see that my dude lost it. But he was just going through it and just trying to do the best that he could, man. He really did put on an awesome event, uh, awesome flight. The night shenanigans were out of control. It was just so much fun. I, haven't, I hadn't enjoyed myself so much in an event in a very long time. I put it up against any event in this country right now. And I've been to some great, really good ones all across the United States. So that being the the case. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard the redneck factor is pretty high at RCHA. Oh, dude. I tell you what. All I, kinds of childish shenanigans, which is oh right my up my alley. Oh, dude. Like, just, it's just, there's not enough time in this podcast for me to tell you all the great things that happen. <laughs> so I want to try to go over some of the... Big point here. Um, my good friend and local buddy that I fly with every weekend, Captain Reekid, Ernie. <laughs> he drove it. He drove in everything. He brought That's in harsh, five man. helicopters. That's harsh, baby. He brought him. He he drove in everything. He repaired everything. He crashed like seven times that weekend. Oh my All god! Right? How many how many flights uh, did he get? What's the ratio here? Oh no! It was every other flight. I don't. I think. <laughs> I think after after Friday afternoon. He didn't land one completely. He had this thing where he was going to nail an inverter auto. And, you know, he wants to do like an inverter auto where like the tail drags on the, on the ground on the way down yeah. and then flips out of it, right? The hesitation. My inverter thing, autos yeah. are like I start out inverted from like 500 feet and I roll out of it around 200 <laughs> feet. And I yeah, land. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my inverter autos. But that's just, I'm just different when it comes to that race. He has no, you know, he has no qualms whatsoever on driving a helicopter, and he takes a lot of pride in that, and I always laugh at him for it. But yeah. he, he drove in. He messed up his Nitro. He messed up both his V2s, and he messed up his son's 550 Nimbus, right? So the, yeah. the, the rolling joke is that he has two sons, Aiden and Nick, that it's uh, Sergeant Rekit. Because I nicknamed him Captain Rekit because <laughs> yeah, he yeah. destroy, he's destroyed so many helicopters in the last two years of him flying, like brand new helicopters just out of the box. Two or three flights later, 
or something fails or he didn't build it right or something happens, right? Yeah. I love his enthusiasm though. I can't, I can't thank him enough because sometimes you get really t- tired and you get worn out of this hobby and I'm like, man, I don't want to go this weekend. And you know, you'll have him calling you like, come on, you pussy, get up here and fly. And then he constantly talking shit to me when I'm flying. So I always, always appreciate um, nice. his shenanigans. Uh, so he destroyed a bunch of hellies. Devin McClellan and Ting Meng put on a tandem that it was of epic proportions. Such a great flying. Two, both these guys have flown at the Battle of the Brands. Or, uh, so they're excellent pilots. Ting flies with me on XL Power, and Devin flies uh, on Maniacs with me. So it was really good to have two guys from two separate teams put on such a great flight, and it was great. So the most part, the part that I that I that I will never forget is uh, Devin is doing pirouette flips like on like if you hung it from a wall, like it was just perfectly there, and then you see Ting doing pirouette flips around him. In all directions. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Like, it was freaking. If if helicopter flying was poetic, that defined it right there. It was just awesome. beautiful. You didn't hear any crazy blade farts. And this were, were both with 550s. Hey, of nice. course, Devin flies for Oxy. And Tang flies for XL Power. So, there was. it was such a good flight, man. It was just so, like, wow. Like, you were in the moment. I was happy that I was able to record it. So if you guys see it on the Hangout, go and check it out. Great flight. Reach out to those guys. Those guys are killing it, putting so much effort into their flying and trying to get better. Sounds like they're succeeding at getting better. Yes. Yeah, no, they're killing it. They really are. Ting Ting was... uh, uh, He was in the national F3N team for China. So he's definitely a very talented pilot. And... Devin is is gonna go probably gonna compete at global next year, at uh, global three nice. D. So very excited for that. What's so so uh, that I talked about the couch already. Team pilot um, Jimmy Buller, such a good guy. Always helping somebody out. He had some issues. We got it all figured out. Good time hanging out with him. He threw, he put on some great great flights. And then the flight that everybody's been talking about, that's, it hasn't been recorded for some reason. I don't know why. No one took it. It must have been because it was late at night and we were all pretty sauce, to be honest. Jay <laughs> flying his Diablo Nitro. That thing was spectacular. He flew it into the power, the power lines and like the blades melted. Like If you look at the picture on the cover of the Hangout, that's from his blades. And that helicopter was seriously messed up. Nice. But, it happens. What can I say? What, like, it, like it got electrocuted? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, like, <laughs> it, like the blades melted. Like it was wow. just, it was just carbon. It was just the fiber. It wasn't. There was no resin. Wow. Like yeah, if you I look at that, the, I saw the picture. I would love to have seen that in real. Oh my god, dude! It was crazy. And the food. Um, Tammy, Rodney, and her and their son. They cooked, and the food was just amazing. Such a good time. Like, met some great friends, helped. They, um, I forgot his name. Daniel. Daniel something. I forgot it. He went, we went to dinner with him Thursday night. And as we're going out, he's like, hey, you guys build my, uh, my raw for us. And, you know, Eric Shu is like, all right. 
So we get back and we open up his RV and take the, uh, they open up this RV and they take the kid out and they start building it, right? I showed up like toward the end to do some massaging and some cabling and stuff like that. But they, Jason Bell and who, Eric and who was the other person? Cliff and Cliff. They put it together for him and ha- got it ready to fly that night and they made it that night. So nice. very, very cool. Yeah, man. Very cool. Like to completely build someone's helicopter and get it ready to fly. And Jason is a great pilot, so it was in good hands. And he beat the man. snot out of that thing. Can I just say something uh, real quick? Yeah. Guys, if you if y'all are listening to the podcast and you have not been to a to a serious heli like a heli specific fun fly, get off your ass and stop what you're doing and go go. Go make it to an event somewhere. Take your model with you and fly it, even if you're the worst pilot there. I I I tell you, nothing gets people fresh into the hobby and like latched on and serious about it, like like that first full fly. It's where you go to get help when you're a noob. It's where you go to see your buddies every year. It's I I, I my my whole life is structured around these events now. It's awesome. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's it is well well worth the trouble. Yes, oh. you know, I would agree. No, no, and it is true. And it is true. Sure. Because it's funny. So, you know, I have a pretty solid crew of people that I fly with, but it's only like four or five people that I fly with on on every weekend. But, man, every time I go to this event, you know, like RCHO or Virginia or, or, or Orlando, you know, those are like, it's like my extended uh, heli family. And I do, I couldn't agree with that more. You know, it's, it feels like you're home. It's like you're visiting your parents during the holidays. Every time I go to one of these events, you know, because I generally, you know, think the world of these people, you know, like uh, Lamont James, dude, there's that man, me and that man have had so many serious conversations about life and in general and work. And I've asked him for so much advice, you know, another one, Doug Darby, man, that guy's like, he loves to give me shit, but man, he's giving me a lot of great advice and it's helped my professional career a lot because of it. So extremely thankful for the, for the people in this hobby. D- Doug uh, is one of those people with just this that stellar reputation, man. I don't. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like I'm not spending a lot of time yeah. with him, but if if you don't like that guy, it's probably probably not. He's probably not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> he will, he's gonna love to hear that. He's gonna love to hear that. If he even listens to my podcast anymore, uh, I give him shit about it because we recorded one for him, but then we lost the recording. So he's he's a little angry with me, but he kind of laughs at it. Uh, uh, Oh, that that is kind of harsh, though. We actually do need <laughs> yeah. to get him on. Oh, you yeah. guys have to you got you have to reach out to him because he he won't listen to me, dude. Just he tell tell just... him tell him I called him Mister Nitro and he will come on the show to refute me. And... Oh man, <laughs> you know he built my gasser for me. You know that, right? Of course. And, he, yeah. Does he does he not build everyone's gassers for them? I don't know. He's built a lot, but um, yeah, he's built a lot of. I, but those so, the ones he posted on the hangout a few months ago were gorgeous. Those two yellow ones with those well, yep. what would you call those pipes that were like nitro power? Oh, they're those are the moped bikes pipes. Yeah. They are the God, I don't even know. Those pipes uh-huh. are crazy how much power they can produce on get out of a heli, out of a gas or heli. Just like an it's just incredible power. But yeah, man, the RCHO trip was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, there's the people there are just like, if you guys ever want to go to an event where the flying is going to be crazy, but you're not even where I think I got, like, 10 flights an entire weekend. And, and I usually get that on a Sunday morning within three hours. So, it was, I recommend everyone to go to it. Like, Jay and 
the crew there put on an amazing event and just hands down like worth every whatever it takes you guys to get there is worth it oh yeah and i crashed and i crashed my v2 but i wasn't i i'm not gonna say i wasn't trying not to crash it but i was trying not to crash it I, <laughs> I had to leave a uh, momentum there so you know there's you know you know you don't, you don't put them in like they're going out of style just for fun like some people no 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 i, I you know the issue is that i have so many that when i put one in it gets to put it to the side right i know but i got all the nick maxwell edition goodies so i'm trying to rebuild it now with all the enemy and you know i've had i haven't crashed this since nice since last time I was at RCHO, actually. That was the last time that I crashed it. And it wasn't just Man, bad. It was just skids and blades. I was epoxying up my goblin tail push rod last week, and I was thinking about that damn Nick Maxwell push rod. I'm like, why doesn't everyone do that? <laughs> Come on. You know, why don't we need epoxy to build a heli? Get, get real. Uh, I still put a little CA on mine, even though it doesn't need it. But uh, better safe than sorry. But yeah, man, that was that was my. That's mostly what I got. You know, I got a few planes. You know, being a planker. But other than that, <laughs> that's pretty much it for me. Cool, nice, nice, cool. So, uh, so actually, Frank. So it sounds like Hellis did go to die there. They did very much so. Nice, nice. All right, okay. So uh, let's hear some uh, tales from uh, Canada. Well, let me tell you a story about some weird Canadian. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, trees, <laughs> mountains, snow, moose, we know. <laughs> to be honest, the the flying hasn't been a whole lot. We've had rain. It's 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 hit our rainy season. And so I haven't been able to get a whole lot of flying in, unfortunately. But there have been a few developments. So I did go flying this last week and got a few flights in. Which was really nice. Uh, we actually got our indoor flying started up again for the first time since before COVID. And I tell you, you know, I've got a little Oxy 2. And I haven't actually flown that thing since before COVID. So I had to get used to flying that thing again. <laughs> it was it was definitely kind of weird to go and, uh, to go fly that thing around in a gym again. And I'm just, just not used to that heli. And then I I did pick up a cheap little MCPX brushless, the version 2, just so I can have something to to really beat on in the gym kind of a thing. Although, uh, we'll see how much that'll happen. We'll see. I actually broke it already this weekend, but I broke it while doing some flying with it outside. <laughs> but uh, anyways... Yeah, so I've got a little bit of flying in, but not a whole lot. It, it it was really nice actually getting back into indoor. That was really nice. It's been so long. We used to do a lot of indoor flying every winter, so it was nice to get back together with the guys and start doing that again. And I'm really looking forward to the seasons of indoor flying. Uh, the other thing that I have done is I went and placed... Sort well, sort of placed an order for fixing my scale heli. Nice. I kind of. I'm still not really 100% positive I want to fix it. But I've been really missing having a scale heli in my fleet. I really enjoyed flying that thing. 
And is so, that the 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 red and white the with the Canadian maple yep. leaf? Yep. That that thing's beautiful, man. It's really yeah, nice it, heli. And it was a lot of fun to fly. I mean, the pictures make it in some ways look better than it actually does look. But it was a lot of fun to fly. The five blade head was really cool and everything like that. And I just yeah, it was a lot of fun to fly it. I actually had a Bambi bucket I was going to hang underneath it and whatnot. I never got a chance to, but yeah, it was just lots of fun to fly. And I never, you know, and then of course I crashed it in August and the, I had never actually, well, it was never my first choice. The MD 500 was never really my first choice for, for a scale helicopter. I still have my heart set on an Ericsson sky crane. I just, feel like I can justify the uh, close to $10,000 Canadian for the Vario Skycrane. And I don't want a little 450 size either. So That's, That I, sounds like a fiddly kit to build too. Yes, exactly. That's another reason why. And I, I you, probably you, could do it, but I live in a two-bedroom basement suite. I don't really have space to build something like that. And Right now, my life is awfully busy, and so I don't really feel like I have the time to build something like that either. It'd probably take me like four or five years to build the darn thing. That's the that's the one with like the missing belly, right? Like six or seven yep. blade, big old yep. orange color thing. Yeah, big anteater looking kind of thing. Or uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You 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 need to be like a pretty decent modeler to build that successfully. I would think. I mean, there's yep. that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of detail. A lot of balancing. But is it six or seven blades? Six blades. Yeah. So, and it would be really nice. So it wouldn't be terrible to balance the head then. You know, but no. we're, we're so spoiled with the pot and booms. We don't even, we never balance blades. Anymore. I don't. I'm having no. blades instead of blades. <laughs> yeah. No, I, if I have to balance your blades. Yeah. I'm not buying them again. Well, um, I did go but, and buy it. had to do some balancing when I, on the five blade head for my MD 500. Uh, but it, yeah, yeah. That wasn't actually Scales all that a different table. I mean, all my blades are within easily within a gram of each other. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't imagine that scale blades would be that precisely made. Actually, some of them are pretty precisely made. Actually, they're pretty. They're pretty well made. Some of those scale ones. So, okay. but anyways, yeah. So I, I would love to get that, but I just can't. I just can't justify that kind of money. So I did go and talk to my friend about uh, bringing in the parts. He thinks he should be able to go and bring him in. He hasn't actually said, given me any price or said for sure yes or anything like that yet. He's still trying to figure out a few things there to see, but he th- he's pretty sure he's probably about, you know, 80, 90% sure that he can bring in the parts that I need for to fix it. And then, I'll, and then it's all it is, is just refiberglassing a few of the tears on the main part of the fuselage kind of thing. So it shouldn't be too bad. The only thing I'm not quite, sure about with that is the head i don't know whether any of the feathering spindles are bent on that five blade head and it's a roll band head and they're kind of cheap hardware and i've already busted a couple screw heads to try and take some of it apart and i'm leery about pulling it apart again to go and actually properly check those things so I hate to say it, but I might just go and throw it on the heli and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, then I'll just stick a two blade heli on or two blade head on it and fly it with the two blade head again. 
And well, you can get, you know, check check if the spindles are bent. It's not hard to do. Does it? Is it? Can you not get replacement spindles for it? Getting replacement parts for anything with the name Roban on it is uh, not the easiest thing to do. Right. Not impossible, but not easy, and can be a very frustrating experience, especially here in Canada. So the only North American distributor is Motion RC, and they're not bad, but they're kind of left to the mercy of Roban themselves. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't imagine you would inventory a lot of parts. They, yeah, if that's part of the problem, especially for a scale helicopter where they don't really crash all that often either, right? Yeah. And so we'll see. At like I say, if the five blade head does have some bent parts in it. I might just go and just throw a two-blade head on it and do it again, which brings up another thing. Uh, I'm kind of in the market for a scale heli. I've been perusing the classifieds and used heli sections, and not only that, Motion RC now has finally restocked all of their Roban helis. And nice. I've been on their website an awful lot lately trying to decide whether, trying to convince yeah. myself if, to if buy one. If you're looking one. for somebody to talk you out of it, you're talking to the wrong crew, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honest, Airwolf, Airwolf, get Airwolf. it, build it, take videos, invite us all up to fly it. Come on, man, let's go. See, that's actually not my problem. My problem actually is convincing myself to buy one. That's what I say. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you. Not to, to buy it. Yeah, yeah. It's not convincing myself to not buy one. It's convincing myself to buy one. And it's simply because none of them are an air crane. I really want an Ericsson air crane and Roban doesn't make one. So I can't really choose what to buy. <laughs> There's so many good choices. Yeah. They're, they're, really, they're, they're really not. Just okay. get a one-fifth one uh, 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 turbine Airwolf and put rockets on it. Come on. <laughs> Look, I'm going to talk you out of it. Here's how you okay. do it, right? Okay. It's it's a scale. You're not yep. 50 year you're not 56 year olds here. You don't need you don't need a scale. You need another sport you need another sport 3D helicopter. Like a Nick Maxwell edition or the Nimbus. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. <laughs> you know, I've actually had this discussion with a couple of guys before. And I do feel for me, what would what is a good, healthy, shall we say, fleet for me is two 3D helis and a scale heli. And then maybe a couple of other 3D helis as, back, as backup, which I've still got my Yardbird and I've got a little T-Rex 550. Okay. So have you ever seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street? Actually, no, I have not. I know it, but okay. I haven't seen it. Okay, so there's a part there that talks about those are some rookie numbers. You need to step your shit. You need to get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, this is what it is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's talking about helicopters, though. <laughs> oh, regardless, you know, same thing. What, what a class! Uh, you know what the problem with having mul many helicopters is? Keeping them all up and keeping them all flying. I just. But that's the other thing for me. Building, repairing that stuff. I prefer flying. Building and repairing is not a favorite part of my, the hobby for me. I do it because I think it's important to know how to do it. But 
it's not my favorite part of the hobby, to be honest. So I just yeah, yeah it's build, build a fly, not the other. We're not cranky old planters who build and yeah. But you're talking about building a, a scale, and you're you're saying that you don't like building, but you're going to put together a scale. That's well, about that's all, all the fun of, that it. That's all about all the fun that it is because flying those things, you know. God, any little have thing. Have you scale, Helly? No, yes. I don't have to, my friend. I don't have to. It's they're great, you know. I already fly scale enough to. I still say flying scale is a lot more difficult than most 3D guys give them. Uh, like to say, oh, I'm not like saying that it isn't. It is. you know? It's actually a I lot more it. difficult than people realize. And I, to, honestly, I really did have a lot of fun flying my scale heli this year. I really did, and that's why mm-hmm. I say I do miss it in my fleet. And I did just turn 49, so I'm pretty close to 50. Holy shit, wings! You're old as shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> pretty soon you're gonna start buying planes like me. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, um, I'll stay quiet there. Oh, you're actually, I haven't. Yeah. I you haven't bought today. any. I haven't bought any. I'm actually trying to sell a couple planks, but uh, yeah, yeah, man. I I don't know, Darren. I have a tough time picturing you as like, you know, un, uh, being the guy who builds this big, beautiful scale turbine, Ericsson Sky Crane, and then shows up to the field with a giant transport van and unpacks it and takes it on the table and spends two hours putting it together and then sits there and stares at it for four hours while he talks with his buddies and <laughs> packs it back in the van without flying it and goes home. Because that's what. See, uh, and like, I wouldn't. I definitely would not be that guy. Yeah, I I would definitely fly it. Well, I, I really would. I know lots of scale guys who say they wouldn't be that guy, but I haven't seen one of them fly. Well, you haven't seen me fly in a long time, and you haven't seen me fly my scale. Uh, see, I just wanted to see if I could get you to talk some shit. It was so easy. <laughs> uh, you got to fly like Westbrook, like Mike Westbrook does. He's like, yeah, it's got to go in. Oh, well. Wah-bah, into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, oh, I, Mike Westbrook? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He has an MD500, too, I think. That's what he had. Yeah, I saw okay. him last weekend, a couple weekends ago. Mm, cool, man. I love that dude. Coolest guy, one of the coolest guys I know, man. We'll shoot the shit about everything but helicopters. It's great. <laughs> day, he'll, oh, <laughs> quick side note, he'll call me with, hey, dude, I just got this. I'm like, dude, did you know you can get it somewhere else cheaper? He's like, why don't I just call you first? <laughs> um, have, do you, any of you guys know about RC Japan? Yes, like, a, a little bit. Order stuff? Have you guys ordered from there before? No. I've heard okay. it's so, interesting. So it takes a while. it takes a while to get the stuff in there. But their stuff is substantially cheaper. Like, he just got a 32MZ. And, you know, if you buy it, for, and I'm, this Futaba USA is going to murder me for this one. So forgive me, guys. It's not my fault. You can buy a 32MZ, which is a $3,000 radio. You can buy at RC Japan for like 1800 bucks. Like, shit. Oh, to wow. You. Yeah, that's a freaking discount, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, really? And I think part of it has to do with the, the Japanese Jiang. Being so down on the on the ground and the U.S. dollar being so dominant, yeah. So that's could be it too. But but the, so I've talked to a lot of the guys that there are like big Futaba dudes, T pilots, and stuff like that, and they've told me that yeah, like they won't do anything here. So if anything ever goes wrong, you're shipping it back to Japan to get a service. I'm like, well, that sucks, but it's still a hell of a discount if you really think about it. Yeah. Frank, you'd be so proud of me, man. I ran into Mike Westbrook at a pass you pass right right after I flew your V two. Mm-hmm. And uh and then he offered me a pull on his Tron and I didn't say a word. I just kept I my know. mouth shut. 
Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't even think I gave him a dirty look. I tried really hard to just be like, no, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, One of the guys that just joined my club, he has a Tron. And I'm like, okay, I look forward for you to putting that one in. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing against them, though. I, I kind of I kind of got over that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Fairly I mean, quickly. But That's like me and goblins? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can't, like, you can't be, you know, like the, the I, world. I don't is. despise, I don't, you guys, you despise goblins. Like, you wouldn't piss on one of them on fire. <laughs> you actually <laughs> probably sit down and watch it burn and take, enjoy the moment. Um, I don't feel that way about Tron. I would feel bad for them. Somebody put one in or someone sure. them up. Like, uh, I seen the little, the little 50 size nitro fly. That flies pretty good. But oh, I yeah, talked to they- some of the, they fly some great, of the people though. that work for them, and they're pretty decent people. Like Joaquin or Jochum, I don't know how to say his name, dude. He's he's German or something like that. He used to work, he, yeah. He used to work for X Nova. Now he's doing stuff for Tron. Good guy. Yeah, but when they first came out, oof. God, hope they forgive me for all the shit I said about them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I definitely did not hold my tongue or my fingers on the keyboard. Yeah, um, me too, man. You, oh, you know my whole family story, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which we, we definitely don't have time to get into. That would be several no. episodes, probably. No. That's like, that That's that conversation is like, Javier talking about Fly Brothers units. It can go on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> that's how you know we've been, we've been together for a long time here. Oh. Yep. You yeah. guys are so sweet. What else? What else, Darren? So, anyways, other than that, I think that's pretty much about it. Oh, wait, no, there is one other thing. My parts for my logo are finally on their way. Still not here yet. Logo is not flying yet, but they're the finally on the way. The six ninety. Yeah, my logo six ninety. Oh, the one you had in Houston. Yep, that was a great model, man. Yeah, and I still do. As much as I love my Spectre V2, and I really do love that helicopter, my yeah, Logo so like 690 still flies really, really well, too. And uh, it's, yeah, it, it, I'm really happy. And, oh, that's the other thing, actually. I did finally, on my Spectre, I put one 15-millimeter tail blades on it to nice. try and get rid of the tail blowout. And that does seem to have helped. The only catch is... Those blades do go into the grass a little bit more on landing and takeoff. And you can always so, put some washers on the on the back on the bag skids, and then that'll raise the tail up significantly. Yeah, well, and all, you, I mean, it's already got you a could always just tail land anyways, it right? right. Well, it's not so much that; it's just setting the thing on the ground, and it the uh-huh. the blades just sort of touch the grass, Look, right? Man, just if barely you touch if you it. You can't set a helicopter down there, and you don't need to be flying it, man. Come on. <laughs> You know, just why don't you put a big old mat, you know, so, on it so you can land it in a little mat and be happy about it, you know. So the other thing, I, the only time. other thing I'm noticing on it now too is I think one of my lock, the lock washer or lock nuts, nylock nuts for one of my blades is not holding the bolt nice and tight because the one blade keeps loosening up on me. So I've got some more bolts. I'll just you go and better, you nylon. Should go ahead and rip. Have, have you seen a blade come off in flight? No, you I've seen a feathering shaft come or a blade grip come off when 
Yeah. The the, uh, yeah. the bolt didn't have Re- yeah. Loctite on it. Replace that. Don't but, flirt with it. Yeah. No. This and that's just it. It's it's not like it's not the locked. It's not the blade grip bolt. It's or it's the 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 bolt that holds the blade itself. You know the the blade yeah, yeah. bolt and it's yeah. it's loosening up. So yeah, I will be going replacing that. I've got, I've got lots of those those bolts around. I'm just a little bit surprised that it's loosening up on me, but, uh, yeah, nylock bolts are the, not a big they're, deal. they're all made in the same. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not, they're not real consistently well-made. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, and that's, I think pretty much about it that I can think of right now. Javier, how about you? Okay. Well, I have actually been flying a lot. Uh, that's hey. no way. No yeah. way. I don't believe you. Don't yes. lie to me, Bullshit. boy. Yes, I've been flying a lot. Although there's a caveat, video didn't happen. There, there always is. It, uh, it was on a, it was indoors, and it was on a Blade Nano S2. So, um, mm. but I've been flying a lot out of that helicopter, and I, um, I have a a little project, you know, called relearning to fly, which is basically, you know, I. I noticed, you know, I was practicing basically where this all came from is that I was practice, practicing on the sim and Scott I was trying <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to get the um, you know, pyroflips down and I was having a really, really hard time, not as much with the flip, but with the controlling the, uh, the you know, the pyroid, the pyroiding hover after after, after, the, after the, the flipping the alley. So, um, it it was you know uh, you flip it and it went like a hundred meters back and then I flipped it and then another hundred meters up and you know very 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 erratic and that was because I could just not keep the disc consistent so I I you know I figured out that there was something else that I was missing and then I listened to uh, I think it was Scott Graham on RCHMB three where he talked about you know just. Just break down maneuvers and go b- back to the basics. And you know, I've heard this advice before, of course, but uh, but it, you know, listening to it again, I said, you know, why don't I just try that? So I I uh, saw that I had that Blade Nano S2 there. I said, you know, why is it on the shelf? You know, is it not working or what? I checked the uh, the T Rex one fifty that I had, and it has uh, one of the servos is not working. So I said, ah, uh, so. My my nano is probably the same way. I saw and it had a a broken canopy post. The uh, the blade desk nano has basically four canopy posts: two on the back and two on the bottom. The two on the bottom have uh like little dampeners for the flywheelers unit, and one of those was broken. So I said, well, that's probably why I why I haven't even used it for anything, you know, because it's probably vibrating and not letting the heli you know, stay in one place. So I I started playing around with it, and I played around with throttle curves, I played around, you know, with dual rates, I played around with a lot of the settings, until I found uh, settings which were, ironically, I did like a, like an inverted V, actually, uh, on, my, on my throttle curve. And uh, because, you know, I was noticing that, you know, it was very inconsistent on the pitch. And also, then I had uh, you know very high rates, so the motor was uh, was bogging like crazy. So I did a lot of changes to it, and it's it feels really really well. I mean, it's it's flying very very consistent. And then 
uh, it turns out that I found a uh, an old uh, CPS, which is basically the same thing. You know, the Nano CPS and then the Blade S2 and then the S3 are basically the same helicopter with a different uh, with a different board with a different fly wireless board. So I noticed that 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 little thing I had it for spares and it had a full untouched frame. So I basically changed the frame and I also found the back where I had some actual spur blades. So it's back to basically as new. So I started I started flying it and I started basically just practicing practicing the very basics, which I thought I had nailed down on the sim, which is you know just tailing hover for a minute, tailing you know hover tail 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 right uh, for one minute. Uh, hover uh, tail left to for one minute and uh, hover nose in, and I noticed that you know it was not as good as I thought. You know, um, on the sim, I'm able to handle it pretty well, but even though the nano was flying really nicely, it's still a very small helicopter, and you know my my batteries are very old. It's a little bit inconsistent. You know, it's a, it's a very small micro, so it's not perfect. You know. It, doesn't fly like a big helicopter, but that actually helps me simulate, you know, let's say a more real environment, you know, like if, like if, I, if there was actually wind pulling it or something, because all of a sudden it kind of like gives it, a, gives a little jerk. So overcompensates and, you know, you cannot adjust gain. So just, you just have to fly around that. So I noticed that actually flying that thing and keeping it in place was much harder than I thought. And it's, I think it's helping me a lot to, um, to, to improve on that portion. Then I went on to invert it to, to do the same thing. And it was disastrous. You know, my, I thought that I had my inverted nailed down and it was, you know, terrible. I, I was going all over the place. I crashed the thing. I don't know how many times, but it just keeps on going. You know, there has been zero damage to it other than, you know, just a little bit nick on the blades. And it just keeps flying perfect after many, many, many crashes. Of course, you know, I'm flying it on the basement. So most of the crashes are on the carpet or, uh, you know, on the furniture. When I crash against the wall, I try to hit throttle hold. And, you know, the thing is just surviving awesome. Sometimes I just need to, you know, do a little bit of adjustment because, you know, the battery pops out or the landing gear pops out or something. But nothing really breaks. And I think having, I have to admit a really, really good time with that, with it, because I really feel like I'm improving that portion. So I'm, I'm, you know, doing uh, basically static, the, the basic four static orientations, inverted and uh, upright. And I'm also doing very, very, very slow pirouetting hover on both clockwise and counterclockwise, both upright and inverted. So the bare basics, the bare basics, um, uh, I'm trying to do that. Um, and what I'm trying to do is to try to avoid to think that just because you can do it, you should be able to move forward, you know, and and keep progressing. Uh, what I want to do is that because I'm not really going to fly outdoors, you know, I can just bang on this thing over and over again until I can really get those orientations completely and fully automatic, you know, fully uh, on my muscle memory. So that's that's what I've been doing, you know. So I've been flying a lot that way. Um, it it's been it's been really fun to be to be honest with you. 
to to see to see the progression to see you know how to recover from certain things that that thing does you know halfway through the flight i have half of the half of the power on the battery so it flies completely different and you know it jerks a little bit every so often so all of those things i think that are helping me way more than the than the simulator so i think that i you know i've gotten to a point where i was able to get it on the simulator and now I need to make sure that it's really, really burned into muscle memory using this little helicopter. So I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, I have to admit, you know, I'm, I'm very satisfied with the progress. I, I actually hope that uh, by the end of of the cold weather season, I'm actually able to do controlled uh, circuits and figure eights on the basement, which is a very small space even for the for the Nano S2. If I'm able to achieve that, I certainly believe that my my flight skills will finally get to a point where I'm really, really comfortable and hopefully not crash as much. Uh, because one of my hurdles has been that, you know, every time I crash, it takes me a long time to repair my heli. So, you know, I can handle, uh, you know, one or two crashes, but I, I've been crashing much more than I would like to or much more than my threshold allows. So hopefully, hopefully I can I can reduce the amount of crashing, increase my progression, and eventually, you know, uh, when I hit the next bump up in in the ladder, you know, I I you know I'll be better with crashing. But the one thing that I want is to get to a certain point where I'm consistently flying as I like, you know, in 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 a comfortable setting, minimize my amount of crashing, and then you know keep progressing and keep doing you know things lower and faster. Because I do want to, um, you know, eventually I want to fly a little bit of harder 3D. So um, I'm hoping to be able to achieve that. And I'm hoping that this is actually the path to do that. So I've been, I've been flying pretty consistently. Uh, every time that I, that I have a chance, you know, I fly at the very least on Saturday mornings. But, uh, you know, I work from home on, uh, on Mondays and Fridays. So I usually just take my lunch break and fly as well. So I've been flying pretty consistently and learning a lot with that little little Nano S2, which is which which I've um you know it has reignited a little bit of the of the passion for you know grabbing the the, the controller again and and getting something in the air and uh, learning something and progressing. So it's in, it's been uh, it's been a good ride to be honest with you. And also out of you know out of the out of that you know I posted um two episodes quote unquote on YouTube you know basically just uh, recording what I've been doing um uh, you know me I like to kind of keep a record to see how my progression has been and YouTube has been a very good medium for that but I've been getting uh, you know two three comments from people watching the videos that uh, are actually listeners uh, which was actually pretty cool there were, uh, you know, two, three comments that came from uh, from actual listeners uh, to the podcast. So that was that was pretty good that they're finding us and that uh, there's actually more than two people listening. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. So if you're a listener, everybody go on Totus Coil on YouTube and give Javier some shit about his micro heli. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's exciting uh, that you're flying, though. I'm happy I, to hear that. I do have a question. I do have one very serious question for you, though. Yeah. How on earth did you get that little thing to look like a goblin? 
Because we all know we all know you can't stand to find anything else. Well, to be fair, there's no there's no goblins that size. So if there were, you know, I would be flying one, but there isn't. So yeah, but you you make a good point. I probably have to paint it or something. I, I can tell you from experience that a fireball does not hold up to repeated crashes. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, and my basement would and be that, neither do, neither. <laughs> Neither would you. Yeah, <laughs> You're flying it in a basement. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah. cool. That's exciting, man. I'm. Uh, yeah, that's that is pretty good to hear that you're actually flying again. I'm happy to hear that. Yes, so. yes, it is, it is, and uh, yeah, because you know, I've 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 always had a thing for uh, for flying in a controlled space, right? You know, I've always been very uh, very nervous to fly at some fun flies that have a limited space to fly you know the usual fun flies that i go to the you know the flight line is very very big uh you know it's uh you know you have like just it's usually it's like an l shape and usually just you know one side is one flight station and the other side is one flight station and they're and they're big so you know there's there's no real constraints i mean you can fly away and uh, you know, make a few mistakes and fly high and fly away and then go back and there's really no problem, right? But when when you but you know when you have to fly on a more controlled space, then you have to be make sure that you're able to you know hold your maneuvers better. So I think that it, that it's also it's also a big thing for me uh, that so um, I'm really you know I'm seeing a lot of positives you know out of this basically that's what I'm trying to get across. Dude, you know, go that, on AccuRC, load up a Logo 690, and put it in the basketball gym. Problem that's solved. what I. That's what I did. That's what I did originally Min- when, when this logo, idea I'm came. Sure. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. It was a. It was a raw. I started with a 380 and then progressed up to the raw. But yeah, so uh, I've I've done that. But as I said, you know the the uh, the simulator doesn't really, uh, you know, feel that challenging sometimes. You know. Because it's 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 very controlled. It's a very controlled environment. So now that I have something that's a little bit out, more out of control, it forces me to keep correcting. Because sometimes it just felt like you were just giving it, you know, little nicks here and there, and basically the the pure compensation and the flavorless unit, you know, on programmed on on the on the similar coupled with no wind, and it's just a very controlled environment. So sometimes it actually feels a little bit easy. So that's why. I'm very, very excited, you know, with this little experiment to fly something that's not very, not perfect, that you have to, you know, be on top of, right? Be on top of a little bit more. So it's it's pretty exciting, to be honest with you. I'm I'm really happy about it. And I hope that, you know, eventually I'll be able to, to do that, to fly in a controlled space and, ho- and hopefully progress my, my skills. So I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very happy and uh, very, very pleased with the results. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope that uh, that I can that I can keep as happy as now next next year, um, and uh, and avoid uh, and and avoid the uh, the sadness of of crashing my beautiful helicopters. You know, and as I said, you know, I I I do want, and you know, I understand that I'm gonna crash, but I just want to get to a point where there's a certain amount of things that I do, and the amount of crashing is almost zero, right? Unless I I have like really bad luck and have like like a failure, right? I want to get to that point where I'm comfortable comfortable doing a certain amount of things with a certain amount of risk, with a certain amount of proficiency, 
that my that my possibilities of crashing are very low. At that point in time, then I can think about moving on to the next step and, you know, increase the risk of crashing. But at that point, it will be fine because if I don't want to crash, I just need to revert back to something that I feel comfortable flying. But that's not just, you know, potting around, you know. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a goal. So I'm I'm really hopeful that uh, that this experience is going to get me there. So we'll see. We'll see next uh, next season if that holds true. But for now, but for for now, leave me be, and I'll I'll try to continue being happy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because this year I crashed quite a few times, quite a bit more this year than I normally do, and I think a lot of that is simply because I was literally pushing myself harder this year than I have in the past. Oh yeah. So I think you know that's something that we always have to keep in mind too, is if we're if we really want to progress, which is something I was hoping to do this year, and in some ways I definitely did progress, I think, this year, it, you have to be ready to crash. I mean, like what Frank was talking about with uh, Captain Rekit, in that you you have to be be prepared to crash. And I'm not going to say laugh it off, although that's not necessarily a bad way of doing it, but you have to be ready to say yeah okay i screwed up now i gotta go and fix it and shake it off it walk you know? it off laugh it off and the best thing to do is that's one of the reasons why i'm a big believer in having multiple helicopters best thing is get back on the sticks and fly again yeah, yeah. the sooner yeah, the better I'm, yeah yeah i agree but uh but there's a line there's a line between you know crashing and crashing yourself out of the hobby right i mean there's a point where you crash too much and you know you can't keep up with it right so that's that's a point that I don't want to cross. That's why I want to see if I can reach that threshold where I can minimize the crashing and then you know keep progressing and at that point yeah you know I'll I know that I'll be crashing as I want to progress but you know to me there's 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 a line right because there's a point where you crash your stuff so much that you know there's it, it's just hard to recover from it. Javier it's called a second mortgage. Okay, we all have one, <laughs> except you. Uh, well, it's just that my my oldest is about to enter college, so I we that know that's what we the... know it's going to cost a million dollars. No yeah. house for hobby. Yeah, we get we know. Yeah, you know, I still think though too. You're going to have good years and bad years, no matter what. Like, there's going to be years when you're going to crash more than other years. Just plain, yeah. It's just the law of average, just the way it's going to work, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and even if you're not trying to push yourself as much there's going to be years where you just are going to crash more plain and simple. Oh yeah. And oh, so, yeah. It, and it doesn't matter what your skill level is either. I mean, let's face it. Most of those top level pros, you know, Nick Maxwell, Kyle Stacy, they crash a lot and a lot more than what we, what we realize. I think a lot of times. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Okay. All righty. So I guess that's all for me. So uh, Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit of what you've been doing lately, and then I guess we can just roll organically into the main topic, which is uh, also some of the things that uh, we're gonna discuss with you. So why don't you go ahead? Okay, sure. I'll give you. I'll give you guys just a really quick recap. This is the last time I was on the show. Uh, we were talking about kids in the hobby, mm-hmm. and uh, the kids are still in the hobby, although. In various, none, none of them fly helis. I got two little plankers and a little quad pilot, which is kind of weird for me. But, you know, you love them and you try to raise them the best you can. And 
You can let them make their own decisions, I guess. Actually, um, speaking of which, I th- I was listening to I think it was the Nuts and Bolts podcast that spin off of uh, the RC Scrap Pile, uh-huh. and I think they were actually talking about you and David. That uh, apparently David was flying around some plank at a at a, or sorry, he was flying his quad uh, after chasing after somebody, and they the guy decided to go and start chasing after David as well with his airplane. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, apparently they uh, had a lot of fun about that. Anyways, oh yeah, he he, he loves he he uh he likes to charge people a dollar for chase flight. He's got a <laughs> yes, my little inter- enterprising little little turd. <laughs> I say that he's a great kid. He really is. Um, he is. I went to I went to uh what was it? Um, I'm, I'm still upset Hellyfest. that he beat me at, che- at chess. So. <laughs> He beats almost everyone at chess. I wouldn't feel terrible about that. Uh, I, I, I might catch him one game out of 20 these days. Of course, he got a coach and a, a team and the whole deal. These kids, man. They, yeah. they, they have coaches. They have baseball coaches and chess coaches. I wish I could get him a heli coach, but this is kind of hard to hire. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, I interrupted you. That's all right. Um, so uh, last year, I crashed a lot. I mean, a lot. Like, to the point where I was like, <sighs> You know, and it's not a money thing. It was just like one of those F this hobby kind of moments where I just kind of went, you know what? I need a break. I'm crashing too much. I hate wrenching. You guys have probably all heard me say before, I really don't like wrenching. I'm, I feel like I'm decent at it. My models all fly very well, but man, I just don't like the time. I got three children to raise. And I, I want to do a good job of it before they rob you in 10 years. So... I try to spend as much time as I can with him. And of course, David's a cancer survivor, so there's the, always that that little little noodle of fear in the back of my mind that if something happens with him, I don't want to, I don't want the regret of having spent a lot of time doing stuff that they don't do. So they love to fly, they don't love to wrench. Ergo, I don't love to wrench. I went to Cajun just because I go to these two Louisiana events are awesome events. The beginning of the year, Cajun Heli Fest. Or May Day, whichever one comes first, I forget now. And man, I could hardly even get around the field. You know, like I was, I, I took a couple of models, I did a couple of flights, I was being really, really timid and still like almost, uh, like I, like I had just been out of it. I just hadn't flown in eight months, seven or eight months, probably since that same event or maybe one event later in the year. I think since Apache Pass last year, hadn't practiced, hadn't simmed. And I mean, it was like, it was miserable. I was like, man, I've lost everything. And so I kind of had this moment where I was like, okay, it's either time to get good or get out one or the other, because I've got all this money worth of helicopters sitting around the house doing nothing. Um, and I opted for get good. So I went back to my notes from, from when I was a musician as a kid. Um, about how to practice. I hadn't even thought about this in for a long time because I hadn't done like basic deliberate disciplined skills acquisition in a really long time. I mean, I've done a lot of career training and, and, and studying about networks and writing code and all kinds of stuff that's work-related. But most of it's, it's either interest-driven or it's need-driven based on something I've been asked to do for a client. So nothing that just focuses on muscle memory, neuron pathway building, those kinds of things. And so I had to go back into those notes. And I came up after about an hour with a real simple about 25, maybe 30 minute practice routine that I do every day. And it's, it's real short. 
it's structured to keep me interested and structured to keep me learning. And it's because it's so short, it's something that I can do every day. Like even if I come home late and I'm tired and I feel like going to bed, I can sit down for an half an hour and set a timer and, and do this little thing. And so something has actually happened to me the last couple of fun flies I went to that has never happened in my life ever that I, that I thought would never happen. And that is people came up to me and said, hey, you're pretty good. I was like, what? I, you know, like, I yeah, didn't, of, didn't you like, fly with like my I'm, V2s? I'm, I'm never going to be the guy. You know, like, what, I, I think when I, when I was flew your V2, I had been doing this routine about two weeks. Like, I was really, really early in this. Because you beat the snout of it. You flew it good. At Apache Pass. And, um, yeah. My my goal for the year was to like learn to fly upright backwards and be perfectly comfortable. And I'm flying upright backwards, upright forwards, inverted forwards, and inverted backwards. All four of those orientations. I wouldn't say like nice. Uh, I wouldn't say like Matt Bodos orientations level mastered, but very comfortable in all orientations. No more no more in, invalid corrections. Putting the heli pretty much where I want it. Fast, slow. High pitch angle, low pitch angle, you know, flat rotor disc, high bank, any, anything from just tooling around to, to pretty fast hurricanes, you know, down under 20 feet, like no problem. So that for me is almost miraculous progress. I've also been starting to put in some basic pirouetting maneuvers and like it's, it's, um, you know, like any, like any skill, right? You reach a point where enough enough ability sort of unlocks that that all of a sudden your progression goes from painful to to pretty rapid and that's i feel like i'm kind of at the end of that like i'm 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 reaching a point where i'm going to have to start really thinking about maneuvers and chunking them which is a uh i guess a concept we can like learning concept we can talk about a little bit later it's called chunking if anybody's into skills acquisition theory but that's been my year and then this week has been pretty eventful. I've put put back together all my helicopters from last year. So repaired a fireball, repaired a blade 360 fusion that I bought for the kids. We've been flying that a little bit. Gowie X3L, which is the very first model that Jimmy Jones helped me build back in the day of the, what was that podcast called, Javi? The, the Full Pitch Podcast host happens to live down in Beaumont, so... Um, I, I spent a weekend with him building that heli. So I don't think I'll ever sell it just because he got out of the hobby. And I kind of have great memories about that weekend because I was really, really frustrated and thought like, I'm I'm never going to be good at this and never going to be able to build. And he, he sort of like gave me all the basic skills I needed in a day, which was nice. Is that the one that I got to fly to? Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Little cool. red, the, red, the red and yellow three-bladed one. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. It's flying really well now, actually. Nice. And they still sell parts of that thing. Man, they've had it a long time now. I flew, let's see, what did I fly? Oh, we had my favorite event of the year at my local club. We have a night fly. It's this casual thing. It's like a chili cook-off and night fly, and it's always the first weekend after the time change, the UTC change. And so I bring bring a big fire pit out and about a quart of wood, which we generally stay up until two or three flying and burning wood and it's trying to stay warm texas warm not canada warm which is a, a whole different sport but um and it's it's also my favorite event because unlike every other fun fly i go to i'm generally the only helicopter pilot there and so everybody thinks i'm really good <laughs> like when i go fly all the plankers stop and look and they clap when i land and i'm like hey look at me i'm so amazing which normally doesn't happen at all so i did i think about eight flights that night and I had a really spectacular crash. I mean, 
my Kraken is in uncountable pieces, seven or eight big pieces, and then... Yes! I mean, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it was the custom Blue Angels paint job, too. So, oh no, that was pretty hard. I got like thirty flights on that thing, and bothered it. This guy Ryan Baker was up there with his big old forty percent edge, doing blenders from like six hundred feet, straight down, full throttle. <laughs> and uh, he and I always go back and forth, giving each other a hard time. I said, "I'm going to go do my Ryan Baker impression." So I took it up really high. I whipped it full negative collective, coming out of the climb out and rocketed toward the ground, and just started doing cyclic rolls. And at the bottom, um, I gave forward cyclic and positive pitch and, and put on this massive overspeed and then did a really hard pirouette out of it and I desoldered the battery <laughs> and, it, and that thing ooh, ooh, it's the second time I've ever desoldered a battery which I think is indicative of two things one is that I need to s- stop using soldered connectors and two is that I really am flying quite a bit harder than I ever have before anyway and, that was and three maybe your soldering skills aren't as good as you thought yeah, yeah, I think I just said that, didn't I? <laughs> I just you said what I said, but with different words. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, that was uh, that was my week. It was a really good week. That event, it's all it was so much fun that even even with putting in the custom crack in which which I put a lot of time and effort into, I still had a great night. I had a lot of fun, really good time. The kids went out. Oh, and uh, another thing this year, not that anybody probably really cares, but we bought a couple of coonhounds. Redbone coonhounds, like the where the red fern grows dogs, a couple years ago, and they have become my field buddies. They go all the time with me. I put a a GPS collar that works about seven miles. Take them out in the country where we fly and just let them roam. So they run around and get in the irrigation ditches on the grass farms and go chase rabbits and squirrels and raccoons through the woods and make a big mess of my car. But that's a it's a really I don't know. It's kind of a nice thing too. I don't know if you guys are into dogs, like dogs, but oh, that's cool. It's a, it's a nice Texas kind of thing to have dogs everywhere with you. So I really like that. And you know, one of them is always <laughs> this little shit is always every time I spool up a heli. He's he's really curious, and he's always trying to run over there and smell at it. And I'm like, you idiot! You are going to cut your nose off. Get away from the thing! It's like <laughs> I have to really watch him. <laughs> Curiosity. I think I posted. A, I posted a. Um, I think I posted something like a little goofy post on the hangout a while back that said like, you know, public service announcement: keep your lipos away from puppies. That is all. Oh uh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I, I came home to a, a lipo that was all chewed to hell. Like, yeah, it had pretty pretty deep tooth marks. I was surprised that it did not short. Yeah. So, so yeah, those are all locked up in the safe now. <laughs> I don't want to. That's that's not the kind of hot dog I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. Cool. All right. So um, good. So why don't we then uh, segue right into our main topic? So we have a couple of uh, we have a couple of topics that we would like to discuss. A couple of micro um, topics to go along with your micro heli. Yes. Yes. Well, they may may not be as micro. We don't know. We'll see. So the first one is uh, precisely you talked about the Kraken, which pains my heart that you destroyed that thing. So I know that you've been working to try to get some custom canopies and have like a Blue Angel fleet. So uh, if oh, you I want to... Bl- I have a Blue Angels fleet. They're just not all the same. 
Yeah, I'm putting together uh, four Synergy 696s with Blue Angels canopies. I actually have the canopies, and I have the models. I just don't have all the electronics yet. Nice. Oh, nice. Wow. I've got to wait till I can spend 20 grand in one go, because I want them all to fly the same. Like, same servo, same speed controller, same motor, same gearing. I'm having trouble sourcing the fifth, uh, the fourth um, sped up uh, tail gear, too. I want, I want the tail ratios all to be the... Or I actually do want to get, like, three other pilots and do a little routine. So I want them all to fly. Very, very similar, identical rates, all that stuff. So it's not too much trouble to fly them together. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, um, you know, that you should do, a, like, a tandem together with all of them. But that you've already thought about that. So that's pretty cool. So um, so if you can talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, all the custom canopy work that you've been doing, you know, there's some people that that, you know, are wondering how to, you know, get a custom canopy designed. Uh, how does that work? How to get that ordered? You know, I think that Canon mod no longer exists. I think that actually SAB bought it or something. So, so it's not it's not like before that you you know there were these kind of like studios that helped you design the canopy. Um, so uh, you know, kind of how it works today. And also, you mentioned a little bit earlier about you know your um, music background and how to practice so talk to talk to us a little bit about that routine so so that'll be our main micro topics for today okay cool uh let's let's tackle the canopies first because there's very little theory and not a lot of information uh to give out it's pretty brief so first i'll go i'll just kind of list the, the off the top of my head the, the companies that i've used in the past to do custom canopies and they've all been blue angels themes by 100 percent I think I've got like two or three little blade 230s laying around with that canopy. I've got a fireball with that canopy and the little the little tail, which actually was kind of interesting to get the fireball done because of the the, the normal canopy is plastic and it's green. It's hard to paint over, so we had to get the the carbon one and then like do a lot of scraping on it. And then there was um, what else? I've got the the five Synergy six nine six canopies, and I've got the Goblin Kraken, which I just crashed. And, oh, oh my, my favorite, Javier's favorite model of all time, maybe, is my uh, Goblin 380. That thing, because of that big, chunky pod, like the big size of the front of it, it looks like this beautiful blue and gold teardrop flying through the air. It's really interesting looking. So those are the ones I've done. And then there have been um, a bunch of, iterations of some of those canopies so the companies i used mask pro i used fusuno candle mod custom heli canopies which is a facebook guy on facebook uh, i think it's custom heli custom heli canopies 1689 something like that i've also done a uh scott lower sold me a, a specter v1 with the black all all the aluminum parts cerakoted black and i've been cerakoting everything since then um, by the way, if anybody's looking to sell to Sarah, uh, to to put a finish on non-anodized aluminum, Cerakote uh, works quite well and is is quite durable. It's a gun coating. It's not the all-time greatest gun coating, but it's easy to apply. It's easy to have applied. Cerakoters are just about everywhere. So if you want to like do do a black head, black tail, black mechanics, those kinds of things, I recommend that. I think I got the last Spectre I built um, Cerakoted. All the aluminum parts in the whole kit that were not like little ball link heads and things like that. 
Uh, I think it was about $200. So it's pretty reasonable, pretty reasonable to do. So those are companies, and the process has, has with, with, um, with one exception, has always been the same. The way it works is you reach out to whoever it is, and they, they all seem to work the same. As a matter of fact, I think you might be right about Canomod having been bought by SAB. I'm not sure about that. But I used to use Canomod a lot, and they stopped answering email, which is why I approached SAB at all. Um, and the the uh, preview pictures they sent me of the painted the painted model ready for clear coat looked like they were in the same little paint studio. So that might actually literally be the same paint studio. But it works like this. You reach out, you kind of say, here's what I'm interested in. Invariably, they say, can you send us some pictures with ideas? You know, something we can kind of mimic. And with Blue Angels, it's really easy because just, just send them high-res pictures of the jets that I've taken myself. And voila, they've got all the, you know, exact colors that I want matched. Um, they've got the font examples and all that kind of stuff, descripting. They send me generally two or three, maybe four Photoshopped canopies where they'll, you know, they take a, a blank and they just draw on it on probably Illustrator or Photoshop. And then they send you pictures and they say, which one do you like the best? You pick one and then you kind of work from there and you go back and forth two or three times. And generally that process doesn't cost anything. It's just, you know, do it for you. And then when you want to order it, they give you a price. They tell you how long it's going to take. And they, you know, two or three weeks will go by. I'll get an email with some pictures of the, of the painted but not, not clear-coated canopy. And the first time that happened, it looked a lot different than I thought it would. So this, if, like, if there's any one detail here to pay attention to, if you are thinking about this process and you're concerned about the way your preview looks, go get something of similar colors or get something metal or a plastic or a fiberglass that you can paint those colors and then and you know get 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 two dowel rods for example paint them you know paint one blue and paint one blue and clear coat it and look how different they are it's really it makes quite a difference and so i was really hesitant the first time to pull the trigger and say yes i'm happy with it clear coated i kept trying to get them to fiddle with the color and it just was like they knew what they were doing is my is my bottom line there the color actually looked a lot deeper and richer, obviously, after they clear-coated it, and it just wasn't coming across in the photos. So we get the photos, um, approve them, they clear-coat it, they ship it, shows up, and I have not had the slightest problem with any of them. They have all been... Uh, <laughs> it looks like um, so, some of them use uh, OEM canopies that they just buy from whoever makes the canopies. Like I know Canamod used to get... Um, used to get goblin canopies. As a matter of fact, if I like look up, hang on. Yeah, here's my like seven year old Kyle Stacy edition that that was three years old before I got it. it says Cano Mod on the canopy. So there you go. Yeah. So they um. Yeah, I never noticed that before. Actually, I just looked up. I was like, oh wait a minute, that's still open. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's how it works. It's real straightforward. And then um, the custom heli. No, I'm sorry, not. Custom heli canopies for the Synergy 696s after Matt stopped making parts. They somehow got similar canopies and cut them, or they got blanks. I don't know how, but they showed up. They're a little thinner than the stock ones, but, but in terms of the shape, they look legit. Like If you put them side by side, you'd be hard-pressed to tell a difference without looking really carefully. So I was happy with those. Yeah, that's it. It's really straightforward. Now, 
the um, the interesting thing is if you have a heli and you just want to modify it, or if you get a blank canopy and you want to um, paint it yourself, now you start getting into a need for a little bit more technical knowledge about painting. And I am not great at painting. Like I can, I can do a decent finish with spray cans, but if you need something more complex than that, for example, you used to be able to get you know, like white fiberglass goblin blanks and paint them yourself. I don't know if you probably still can. I don't know, but the paint kept flaking off. Like I would paint it. It would look nice. I would use the kind of paint that Google told me I should be using on fiberglass and I would get the canopy and paint it. It would look fine. Go fly it a few times. I'd land it and notice that it had cracks that small pieces would start to flake off. And by the time you take it on and off a hundred times, um, it was just falling apart. So the only person I found who I had really good luck applying paint that, that I, I didn't go take a lesson from him or anything. I just gave him a canopy. But if you want somebody who can paint damn near anything, find a local pinstriper, somebody who does custom motorcycle pinstriping or motorcycle tanks. Uh, I've had really good luck with a couple of different people doing that. So that's another option. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's it for painting. Any questions? What? Like, what's the cost compared to a normal canopy? Is oh, it quite a bit uh, higher? 30%, 40% more. No, not, okay. not, not at all. Uh, the, the, the full goblin crack in the, the tail, the side frames and the canopy. When they sent me, they sent me four iterations, by the way. Like, you know, they were very patient and matching the color and everything. By the way, if you want to do that, it's just email addresses, sales at bkhobbies.com. Uh, you'll wind up talking to Lance and he'll get you in touch with the factory. So that was really, that was actually really easy. And by the way, I think a lot of people know this already, but if you, if you don't want to buy a kit and then throw out the canopy and the boom, and then have new ones done, they will actually do all this and then swap the parts in the kit and send you your kit with no excess throwaway parts. But the whole, the whole set was like 300 and, uh, don't quote me. Okay, w between three hundred and three twenty-five shipped is what it wound up being for the whole model. So it was about thirty percent more than just going to the website and buying the buying mm -hmm. the stock paint jobs. It wasn't bad at all. I'm, matter of fact, I'm always surprised that it's not bad. It's like, really? How can you guys stay in business? <laughs> How long does it usually take then? Too um, anywhere from three to six weeks. Goblin was really fast. I, I think I had them. I think. From my first email to them to contact them. Anyway, the whole process was about five weeks. Two, and two of that was waiting for Photoshop work and my, for, for my feedback while I was out of town and those kinds of things. The actual, once I, once I said, that's it, ship it, paint it, ship it, it was three weeks. It was in my hands in three weeks, hmm. which is pretty reasonable. I think they're just dropping it on a, like a, an air freight shipment with a bunch of other kits or something. I don't know how they're able to afford that. Uh, shipping time. Normally, I would expect it to go in a container. Yeah. What about, like, going back to the payment there, too? Do they expect a, a deposit of some sort for a custom paint job like that, too? Or do you act, or do you not have to do any payment right off the bat? With uh, So 100% have been the same in terms of these, these canopy companies that work out of Asia. It's always been... The, the preview, the Photoshop work, the email, like the prep work to, for us to earn your business is free. And when it's time to get your canopy, then you pay us in advance. Um, okay. I've never seen it done any other way. So it's all your money gone. Mm -hmm. 
but I've also never had any issue with shipping. And they've all been surprising. I mean, of course, the hours of the day don't line up, but it's they've always replied, all of them, within a business day. I've never had any issues with communication, except when Cano Mod went dark. And of course, now we think we, we think we know why, but I'm not I've not looked into that. Somebody mentioned it was that Darren or somebody Probably mentioned here. they thought SAB got him. Yeah, bought him. So that may be true. I don't know. Um, that's it. Very simple. Cool. Very simple. Right. Very, very very pleasant. It's one of those things in the hobby where it's like I can't believe how well this works. Like I've never ha- yeah. I've never had an issue. Really, have never had a problem. I've thought of doing it. I just I don't know. I just never really. Part of the problem is for me is like I I kind of like a lot of the stock piece i don't find them all that bad either and i i the other thing is too i think for me sometimes some of these custom ones i don't know how visible they are too because like for example now your your blue angels paint schemes do you find them actually just as visible or more visible or less visible when you're actually flying them well i mean that i think you're going to be pretty safe with with the colors of any jet demo team they're very visible. They are not neon yellow or neon orange, mm-hmm. but they're very visible. Particularly, you know, that that dark dark blue kind of goes to black against the light blue sky, but the gold stands out really really sharp in contrast. And I'm always careful to have like a like a solid some form of stripe straight down the middle of the top of the canopy for just for orientation. It looks good too. But it's really clear, like when you get it up, you know, with a with a rotor head facing you, you there's no mistaking what orientation it's in. It's very very clear. Cool. Um, and the last one I did the skids too. That helped the gold, the blue and gold skids instead of black. Oh wow, cool. That was just rattle can spray paint. That worked. That worked actually matched pretty well too. With the blue angels, um, by the way, if anybody is is interested in those colors, model masters sells airbrush colors in the official Blue Angels colors. So if if you... And actually, quite a few colors are out there that are like that. So if you're looking for a very specific color match, you can tell your canopy company, and they will probably be happy to buy that paint. Hmm. Cool. They're all going to be airbrushed. So if it's a good airbrushed acrylic, you can probably talk them into using it. Cool. Nice, nice. Yeah, I thought it was more. Um, I mean, it 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 sounds simple, but um, but yeah, I thought it was more like uh, you know, you had to do most of the of the work, and if you're not, if you're like zero artistic or like zero experience in Photoshop or or anything, or I mean, what could you do if they, if if you know how good they were at giving you proposals to you, you know what I mean? If they if they said, hey, I mean, this would look cool, or or these colors because they have the experience. Right, yeah. Um, instead, I, instead of of you being the artistic one, and you know, just basically, okay, just do this, right? Right. So I've always kind of known what I want, which I, I suppose helps. I'm kind of the opposite of Darren. I don't generally. I'm not. I'm. I don't ever really bother me about. It. I'm not a great fan of the stock canopies from the stock stock booms for the goblins. They don't. I wouldn't say that they bother me, but they don't really do it for me. And then. When you go look at like like if you go to Fusuno's Fusuno's website um, and look at some of them, like they're they're very um, they're very visible for sure, but they you know they're just kind of like a little too eighties nineties flashy for me you know like there's a lot going on I'm more of a like a, like g- give me a muscle car with let's let's dark blue with two white 
two white racing stripes, you know, like something simple and, and clean and classic. See, that's kind of what I am though too, is, is something simple and clean. But for me, uh, you know, especially a lot of the colors and designs that I would like, to be honest, I don't think that they would be very visible in the sky. And that I think is sort of one of the reasons why I very often stick with a lot of the stock canopies simply because I find a lot of them are quite visible and I've gone through Fasuno's website and whatnot. And to be honest, I was kind of disappointed with a lot of their, the design yeah, that I don't, they had like, I don't, and whatnot personally not, too. And not, not to say that they're terrible. They're just not something that appealed to me. Right. Right. Yeah. And but so the work, yeah, the work and, they and did for was me, it's more about the visibility than it is anything else. Yeah. Well, I guess this is old man eyes getting you. <laughs> I won't disagree there. <laughs> yeah, but blue and gold is works surprisingly well against a blue sky or a cloudy sky. Now, at dusk and dawn, you would do better with orange, like bright orange mm-hmm. or bright yellow, I think. Yes. I, yes. I've not had any issue. I don't fly hundreds and hundreds of yards away, but I don't fly in a box like Javier either, and it's um, or like Javier wants to. And uh, anyway, that's that. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, I was going to make Frank really happy. I will say that I do like uh, quite a few of the XL Power stock canopies or the, the, the ones they have available, especially the new V2, the the red, black, and white one. Whew, that's hotness. That thing nice. Is beautiful. Matter of fact, my, my V1 is that is that canopy with the black Cerakoted head and tail. And the Azure Power, like yeah. the whole can, the whole model, no visible chrome. It's like coordinated, soup to nuts. It looks great. It looks really good, with very little effort, just the seracoding. That's awesome. I think with the, I think if you if you had an NME version, then you don't even need the seracoding, right? It's all black, isn't it? All the, yep, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I haven't been keeping up as much as I should. See, that's why for when it's I bought problem, my V2, well, you know I bought that new orange canopy, right? Because I felt you know it was why? a little more visible. Hang on a second. I got one. Hang on one on the floor there. So I got three crashed V1s, but my current V1, I've got like 100, 150 flights on. I, I For whatever reason, I'm just not crashing it. So I guess I'll learn all about the V2 when I finally put that one in because I think it's going to be my last V1. <laughs> but uh, so far, so good. Fingers crossed. Okay, nice. so that's it for that. And then you wanted to talk about a little bit about practice? Yes, yes, about yeah. your uh, music theory meets uh, RC helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for, for I guess, 100% of you don't know, I made a living with a saxophone once upon a time, not a very good one. But I was an all-state jazz player for four years. Went to Baylor uh, University under saxophone performance, which is, believe it or not, is a major at a four-year university. Why, I don't know. But um, I think I had, I didn't hit 10,000 hours. I had six or 7,000 hours. And I realized that I was never going to be like truly great. Just didn't have the sort of inspired improvisational ability, but I was technically very good. And the way that, the way that we practice music, and this was, this was true. You know, people have done a lot of, a lot of different things to try to make a living with instruments over the years. And of course you get everything from just casual. Nope. I just listen and jam and I've always been good to you get into classical music and, and formal study of jazz theory and things like that. And that's a lot of memorization and a lot of muscle memory. And so skills acquisition theory kind of comes into play 
Now, the research may have changed, right? Because, I mean, we didn't have the internet, but, but we all were told, I was told from several different very good teachers and professors, the same thing, that, that your, your brain, when you're, when you're working on something like that, acquires most efficiently from about the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes of any given practice session. So if you practice for 40 minutes and then take a break, that's maximally efficient. Now that'll vary from person to person. And, you know, Augie could probably tell you more than I could about like whether that, that number has changed slightly. But, you know, it's still beneficial to practice more, right? If you practice a three-hour session because you're having fun, that's great. But you're getting, still getting most of your work done in the first and the last smaller portions. So if you really want to progress fast, ideally, you would have like three or four or more 40-minute sessions throughout the day. And then the makeup of the session itself is important. Um, for example, on an instrument, Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you my notes from years and years ago, and then I'll tell you how I translated them, all right? So this was um, this is what my, my uh, professor wrote down. He said, five-minute warm-up. First five minutes of your practice session is for scales and warm-ups. Review something you worked on in your lesson or your previous practice session. Limber up your fingers. Get your brain in the zone and play everything as blisteringly fast as possible and ignore any mistakes. Just ignore them. And the purpose is to get your brain up to speed and to get your, you know, something like using your thumbs on a controller. It may not matter as much, but on a saxophone or a piano or a violin or a cello like your son, Javier, you know, having your hands and your joints warm makes a big difference. So that was just like warm up. Um, so what I do then for, for a heli, I get the sim, I turn it up to like 120% speed and I, I do fast hurricanes. I, I do, stall turns in all eight orientations and try to get them to go straight down the line and just kind of, you know, like get used to flying with the sim flying a little faster than reality so that when I slow it back down, it's a little easier to focus and to have my mind feel like it's a step ahead of the model instead of chasing it all the time, okay? The next section of, of my notes um, was 10 minutes of repertoire. So choose a piece to work on for 10 minutes. Practice the difficult parts, smooth out any issues, Work on rhythm, timing, fingering, or practice overall musicianship. Don't try to do everything at once. Pick something to focus on and do it well. That's 10 minutes. 10 minutes, by the way, of really hard focus on one thing is harder than it sounds if you've never done it. So, for example, I might fly just hurricanes in just one orientation. 10 minutes of counterclockwise, inverted, backwards, figure eights, for example. So that's that. Um, 10 minutes of different repertoire. So do it again with another piece of music for the following 10 minutes. Dive in deep. I find personally that that second 10 minutes is kind of like my most effective time. So just change it up, right? 20 minutes of the same thing over and over. Maybe it's just too much. And then the final section of formal practice is a five-minute review. So in, in my professor's notes... Spend the last five minutes of your practice session reviewing an old piece or something you did not get to work on today in your practice session on a positive note so you'll be ready to come back tomorrow. So for me, um, I work on whatever I worked on in my 10-minute sessions from the day before just to see. And generally, that five minutes at the end, believe it or not, is the most pleasant time, right? It's like, this is the hard work I did yesterday. My brain has had time to rest. 
He's had time to sleep. And for whatever reason, the neurons are wiring up better on the second day, even though I've had a day off from this maneuver. And that's it. And then, you know, at the end, fly as much as I want to for fun. Although generally I don't have a lot of extra time. And that's it. That's my little formal routine. And I just, I have a huge Word document. I made a list of everything I'd like to be able to do. Maybe I could share it with you guys with some notes and we could put it on the, put it somewhere if you wanted to, but you know, it's got, um, and th- th- there's some, there's some other places for ideas. Augie's, uh, Augie's, um, course is pretty good. The old heli skill videos. I actually like a lot for how that, how they explain maneuvers. Um, Javier, there was a thing you sent me ages ago that I did for a while that I still do some where he talks about like using the practice circle and heli X and hovering in your different orientations and then doing an inverted and then doing it pirouetting. Do you remember where that was? What was that called? Yeah, the um, tail in to funnels in six months from Heli yes, Freak. That, that thing. That thing was a very good. That was a good article. It's just got a good list of things to do. But I, I kind of broke things up stationary, traveling, pirouetting, auto rotations. I got a whole bunch, a bunch of notes on auto rotations. And then lots of little notes, you know, like all skills must be mastered. I have, a, I have this printed Word document with check boxes in it and the little, little reminders. So all skills must be mastered before checking the box. Maneuver must require little or no mental effort. Focus is fine. Thinking through the maneuver, chasing the helicopter are not fine. Hovers must be stationary. Turns must be executed at low, medium, and high speed. Must track as intended and must, cha- must not change altitude. Those kinds of things. Right, so a little bit of sort of F3C, Kyle Dahl style kind of notes in just because that's what I prefer. And other than that, it's just a list, right? I just, you know, and it's it's kind of organized by difficulty level and by by type of maneuver, whether it's traveling or stationary or pirouetting or what. And I just pick something that I want to work on and work on it. It's that simple. Um, and then we talked a little bit about earlier about chunking, I think. What were we talking about when I brought that up? When, when uh, maybe it was Javier was talking about his thing. So chunking is just the process of, of like breaking up a complex movement, bodily movement or mental movement in, into small enough details to understand it profoundly well. Okay. So Frank, are you, did I get, you're from Florida. You're a shooter. I assume that you shoot those guys down there. Um, Frank's still on the call or did he pass out on us? No, I'm here, I'm here. No, no. Actually, you guys want to hear a funny story? I've only shot two guns in my life. I've only shot two guns in my life. And one of them was Michael Gaeta, a.k.a. Gator. Oh, Gators. Yeah. And then the second one was Burke Hammers. Those are the only two guns I ever shot. And it's funny because I got the the shell on my my desk as a reminder. And, (laughs) yeah, those are – I don't know much anything about shooting. Right. If I do get if I if I ever do own a gun, it would be like a Kimber nineteen eleven, something really bougie as hell. But yeah, that would be my bougie as hell. Yeah. Man, the, the, the next time you come down here, I will I will put in your hand for you to take home a Kimber nineteen eleven. I've got five or six of them laying around. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh I'm man, serious, serious. Oh man. Well, I'll, I'll be. You, at, I'll give you a nice uh, gun, gunmetal gray tactical, real light, precise shooter. Yeah. I'll be at Helly's over Apache Pass next year. So I'll bring it. You have my word. Cool, man. No, we'll just go shooting or something. Well, that would that'd be better. Okay. And you can then you can take your gun home. 
do you have now you, do you have, do you have somewhere safe to keep it? Or you just keep it unloaded? I have I'm, I have a I have a, real, I have a toolbox with a lock on it. That's okay. The, yeah. a, a big snap-on toolbox from my, back in the days when I worked on cars. Okay. I don't I don't want to I don't want to dig too much in the pocket. I'll give you the the 30 second Eric's opinion on how to store it safely. I give it to you. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Okay. So there's that. Um, okay. So chunking. So I was going to use, let me just go ahead and use shooting as an example because I've, I've done a lot of competitive shooting. When you, when you draw a gun from a holster and present it and fire it, you know, we, we practice that generally in four or five steps. So the first step is how to grip the gun, right? So, so you're thinking about all these following details when you practice this one thing. You want your grip as high under the barrel as you can get it to give yourself as much leverage as possible to control recoil. You want a very firm grip with that drawing hand. So that, that's just putting your hand on the gun and nothing else, right? Getting your, the webbing of your thumb up high, your fingers fully around the grip, a nice firm grip, ready to draw, right? So that's when, there, and there's a lot more detail to it than that, but this is the kind of thing I'm talking about, right? So when you're practicing, you know, in music, you know, when we were practicing a passage of music, your first day practicing, you might just get the notes. And you might, you know, might be sight reading something difficult that you've never seen before, get the notes down, get the basic rhythm, understand how it sounds. And by the time you're done mastering that section of music, you're thinking about the attack and release of every note, right? How much breath do I give it? How hard do I tongue the reed? How much vibrato do I want? Where do I want it? Is this a note that tends to be sharp or flat? And it doesn't matter how fast you're going, you sort of give that attention to detail to every sustained note or to every phrase, right? There's this overall shape and sound that's in your mind that has to somehow come out through your breath and your fingers and your embouchure to be recreated in the real world. It's no different drawing a gun, presenting a gun, squeezing a trigger. You know, you could spend months trying to master a trigger pull if you want to shoot really fast without pulling your shots to the side, things like that. So helicopter, same way, right? That's why I have these notes that I review before I do a maneuver. And I'm trying to think about those things in detail. So for example, like with an auto rotation, I, I try, I do not try and force a bad auto in the sim down to the ground because I don't want to be in the habit of doing that in real life because I, I, I think 80% of my crashes in the last two years have been botched autos. So now if, if it's not looking perfect, I just flip out a throttle hold and you know, wait for the head to spool up and just go around, do it again. Where I used to drive them all the way to the ground and try to make it work, and guess what happens? In real life, you drive it to the ground. You're talking about your buddy trying to do this inverted auto and drag his tail. I spend months trying to do that. And, you know, I got it 80% of the time. And those 20% were, you know, cost me a couple grand and a lot of hours on the bench. <laughs> and a lot of waiting on my part. <laughs> so like, a lot of uh, waiting for I'll, parts. Uh, a really, a really good, I don't remember. Can I, can I, can we t tolerate some, some typing real quick? I guess That's if we really have to. YouTube. So I want to give you the actual video. So if you go look at, um, on YouTube, if you don't know, Augie Copter is a guy, he's got this thing. What does he call it? He just calls it his, um. Instinctive flying. Instinctive flying method. Now. I've heard it pre presented as some like profoundly perfect way to learn to fly. I haven't found it to be that. Okay. So I don't, I don't want to 
I don't want to dissuade anybody else's way of learning, but if you look specifically at his fourth video, it's called Episode 4, Pyro Flying, Demystifying Pirouettes. He breaks them down in a very, very clear level of detail where it's easy visually to see what's happening and to understand what your inputs need to be, when, where, without having to think about all four upright and inverted orientations as they precess. It's a perfect example of chunking. So if, if, you're, if you're trying to work through a difficult maneuver that's going to re require a lot of real-time corrections like a pyro flip that can't just be done with perfect timing, then go watch that video and then think about your other maneuvers kind of in the same way. And I think you'll have real good success with that. That's it. Yeah. That's all my notes. Like I said, microtopics. Yeah. I, th I think the main thing is, is finding a consistent routine that you can do every day or every other day that lets you have fun and that forces you to put in the 20 uncomfortable minutes where, you're, where your neurons are actually wiring up. That's the, that's the critical part. If you're just tooling around, having a good time, I mean, you're, you're still getting better, but you're not like that is not the disciplined practice that gives you rapid skills acquisition. And I'm not like, I'm, I'll never be a great pilot. I'm in my 40s and I have, you know, really bad nerve damage in my hands. I can't hardly feel my fingertips. But yeah, it's been, I, I've learned more in the last eight months than I have in the previous, I guess, almost five years now, for sure. So there you go. That's, that's, all I have to offer. Nice, nice. Now I have to say something. Take that, Ian. That is one tech tip. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> man, that came from a, sp a a spot deep, deep in your soul of hurt. Yeah, yeah. God, I feel, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm missing a really, a really clear inside story that, that everybody else gets. <laughs> that turned dark really quickly. Jesus, buddy. Why? Why are, are you about so Ian angry, fucking Joel? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. I don't know. Yes. Why are you just so got angry? a badass fucking name. So there. <laughs> no, but the man. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Jesus. I mean, come on. What? 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 What kind of like an interesting person do you have to be for your for everybody to know you as Ian fucking Joel? I mean, I've never met the guy, but I would love to just based on that alone. Oh, dude, he's a total sweetheart. Great guy. Yes. Yes. I'm sure I, he he has to be a good time. There's no way he's not a good yeah. time to be around. Oh yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna miss him when free fall shuts down. Yes, 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 yes. And and if he's listening, I do like your tech tips, and it was just a joke. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was real. Your tech tips suck. <laughs> we all hate you. You suck. <laughs> I can't wait for your last episode to be over. <laughs> Just can, actually, can enough. we just say for a second, like, oh, talk about the end of an era, guys. I mean, I know yes. RCHN was the original, did it 200 times uh, podcast, but if you guys, yeah, and I don't I'm, even know I'm if you guys you, listen dude. to all, all the podcasts, but guys, you know, I mean, you read the letter I sent you guys about me and the kids three or four years ago now. We're really going to miss you. We really are. And um, mm -hmm. yep, it'll be interesting to see what these guys do to to step up and try to fill your shoes that's pretty big shoes to fill all of you love you and we'll we'll miss you very much yes oh, very man. much so i'm with you on that man i i lost it when i found out that they were gonna that you know it was almost like for a moment there it was between rchm was back and you still had 
Freefall, and I know all those guys, and I hung out with them plenty of times, and you know, but yeah, man, they're definitely going to be missed. Yeah, I've considered them to be basically the premier podcast for a long, for quite a long time, and yeah, it's. I don't think oh there's any God. of us, I mean, uh, any of our, our ex- uh, these existing podcasts left right now that are able to fill that shoes right now. To be honest, I mean and the ongoing, it's... just the ongoing gags, the Planker segment, Gray Eagle Junior, yep. Gray Eagle Senior, all that nonsense, man. Yep. <laughs> it's just, just great. You know, I, I, I also there's more than even just that. I mean, if you think about it, and I, I, I mentioned this in our own internal chat here a couple of weeks ago. Between Free Fall and RC Heli Hangout, if it wasn't for the combination of those two, I don't know if I would even like. I wouldn't be on this podcast. I wouldn't have met. I wouldn't have met you or Eric. I wouldn't have met Javier. I wouldn't have met Frank. I wouldn't have met any of these you guys. I would not know any of the any of the guys that are out in the East Coast. And it's because of Free Fall going and starting up things like that the Friday night discord sim sessions. It's because of free fall doing things like their listener series. That was one of my favorite oh, series yeah. that they ever did. I loved the, listening to the, when they the had the Yardbird episode. I know everybody else was going to sleep, but I was so geeking out all the technical stuff on the Yardbird episode, man. It was awesome. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. And the other thing was, you know, and combined with how, how positive and supporting, Steve and Kevin especially and well and Andy and Ian have been with all of the other podcasts with been on RC Heli Hangout there they have done such a great job and I feel like I'm giving them a big head here big ego but they those four guys really have done a very good job of making everybody feel like they know each other and it, it they it's it's really is something that's going to be a a big hole in the hobby here that's you know going to be gone when they when they shut down podcast did did you i mean i've been on four or five i think this is my sixth podcast episode from all the podcasts i can't remember do you guys remember the marine one episode 238 oh, yeah. that i did with travis oh, Patrick, yeah. our, our family friend you know yes you know no, no offense to you guys or to anybody else but when I found out he was willing to do a podcast, I did not even approach anyone else to host it. It was like, no, no. These are the personalities. These are the guys that I know will take it seriously and and, and approach it with the gravity that I would want mm-hmm. want to treat someone in, in that sort of like an honored position. And uh yeah, I was it was a it was a good time and Travis really really had a good time. It still talks about it actually when we get together. But it was <laughs> that's uh, cool. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the free fall Kevin Teshner especially still keeps talking about that all that exact episode all the time too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great time. This, this they've all been fun. At least you guys are still around. <laughs> oh my lord. For a little bit, yeah. Reach down to the bottom bottom of the barrel to listen to yeah. us, but oh well. <laughs> and you reach to the bottom of the barrel to have me, so Fuck you and fuck me too, I guess. <laughs> well, hey, they let this uh, weird Canadian on this podcast, so yeah. you can't so get much lower so than that. Javier and Paul, you guys have to somehow make it to Texas. I've met Frank and and uh, Darren, and they both came to me, so time to step it up, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, I have to. So I have to one day. Come visit me. Come to Apache Pass with Frank. 
come down. Yeah. We'll go shoot. Oh, yeah. We'll he eat would, some barbecue and go Javier shoot some have, guns. I'll test like, Javi, don't, man, don't just show up. I'll bring models for you to fly. Don't even worry about having helicopters. No. Come on ha- down. Javier would love it. We'll go shoot. Come we'll drink some, and- eat some barbecue. We'll fly it. Do some, I'll, I'll bring my, my, my trendy 90s night blades. You can fly night heli properly set up. It'll be a good time, man. Might even might even give you a seven hundred to teach you how to shoot some autos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I, I'm. I mean, it's it's one of the things that I want to do, man, for sure. I mean, there's uh, there's people like you that I really want to go visit at one point in time. You know, that I met through the hobby and that ended up being friends, right? So, yeah, so absolutely. it's so it's so it's it's definitely something that uh, that I want to do. You know, just. Uh, this Thanksgiving, we're going to visit some friends over at Grand Island. So you know, it's just something that I I like to do. You know, you know, when yeah, you meet I'm just, someone. I'm just, that... Look, I'm I'm telling you, man, just just get get on a plane. I'll pick you up. I'll show you a good time. I'll put you up overnight. We'll do some flying. We'll have some good old traditional nonsensical Texas fun, and I'll take you back to the airport. Don't worry about anything other than getting your skinny ass down here. <laughs> Alrighty. Alrighty, yeah, yeah, I have to plan on that. Yeah, thank you, man, thank you. Well, I can already vouch for for your hospitality. It was, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed my time. Awesome. But I know Javier's going to want to go fishing too, though. Eh. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I got, I got, <laughs> I got to go fishing. Sure. <laughs> Alrighty, then, then it's the whole package. So there's no way to say no. <laughs> all you know, I got to do now is get enough time off from work to do all of it. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> all right, y'all. It is eleven o'clock, and I've got a, a cold house with and a wife who doesn't like to sleep in a cold bed. I'm gonna <laughs> get out of here and stay married. You guys yes. have any 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 other questions about the practice stuff or the the custom paint work, any of that kind of thing? No, I think we're good. Take us out. Any any traditional outros that we need to Javier? Yes. Out? Yep, yep. So uh thank you very much uh, first of all Eric uh for getting back to us and uh being uh one of our reloaded guests <laughs> that uh that like to come back. So thank you very much. I think it was a very good time. It was very informative. So appreciate uh you being with us. Um, just, um, uh, a quick, uh, if uh, someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, I don't know, maybe ask a few more questions about, uh, about these topics that we briefly touched on, but I think that they were pretty much complete. But anyways, if someone wants to get in touch with you, is there a way that, that you can share? Um, I'm on, I'm in the hangout as Eric Bertram. I'm at, uh, actually, you know, moving back to a flip phone. So Two one four five seven eight nine two one seven text or voice. I guess I'm becoming more old school as I get older. And yeah, that's really it. Um those two should be just about enough for anybody who's really looking to get in touch. Alrighty. Cool. Alrighty. Uh Frank, uh anyway, I know that uh, you know, anyone who goes into the hangout will of course get in touch with you, but uh, any other way that uh, people can t- contact you? If you're uh, not guys, already falling asleep. No. So, sorry, I keep muting my phone on and off so you guys don't hear me uh, <laughs> uh, yaw- uh-huh. uh, coughing or yawning or anything like that. <clears throat> but no, man, just to hang out is always the best way to get it. You can either get me on 
find me on Facebook, uh, on Frank Moradiellos. There's my, there's a few of them, but none of them like me uh, on Instagram. And that's about it. All righty. Uh, Darren, right. other than uh, the uh, Free Fall RC uh, Friday Night Discord, where else can we find you? Well, you know, got to do doubles. Re- oh, sorry, wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am actually quite doubles often on and the... wrenching and... <laughs> I am actually quite often on that freefall disc uh, Discord chat on Friday nights, but you can try and reach me on Facebook, Darren Weens. D, you know, last name is W I E N S. But I, I'm not always very good at responding to Facebook messages. To be honest, the easiest way is good old fashioned email: rchellydarren at gmail dot com. Okay, all right, and uh, I'm uh, Javier Moreno from Mexico. And I'm not going to go into a whole bunch of story of how to get uh, in touch with me. That's very convoluted and very difficult. So I'll just tell you that toadiscoil at gmail.com is a good way to reach me. Also on my YouTube, it's a tiny URL slash toadiscoil, and that'll get you directly to my uh, YouTube landing main landing page. And uh, that's it, because, of course, I don't do Facebook, but I do Instagram. So you can also find me there. One of these days, we'll get you on Facebook. <laughs> one of these days. One of these days, maybe. Uh, better chance he'll fly Nitro. <laughs> than yeah, actually, in fact, I mean, Nitro okay. is very possible. Better chance of Facebook or an XL Power? <laughs> Facebook. No, no, we won't, we won't sell him an XL Power. He doesn't, he's not worthy of it. <laughs> he's not allowed. <laughs> all righty oh he's not allowed oh wow he's okay. not allowed he's not yeah allowed. no ah, that's allowed. fine that's fine not for, no problem yeah. at all i'll just Bert, i'll just get uh, i'll just get uh you know the uh the, the blue angel uh, kraken when it's rebuilt yeah yeah maybe i'll i think i'm gonna convert it to three-bladed head and uh then I'll uh, I'll bring it to Apache Pass and let you fly it. All right. There you go, Javier. You can't say no now. Ah, uh, no, I can't say no. Damn it. All righty. <laughs> well, and, thanks and, a lot, Frank, guys. Frank will bring uh, all the battery packs we need. I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> all, right. all right, jokes. All right, guys. It's all right, guys. So thank you. See you next time. All right. Take See care, ya. y'all. It's been fun. Thank you. Bye bye. Bloopers and outtakes. Bloopers and outtakes. And there was much rejoicing. You're, you're not. You're not in the stream or whatever we call it now. I don't know. I neglected to start editing myself after I heard the. We are now recording. I got a bad feeling about this already. <laughs> hey, good. We need some bloopers. We, I've, I've come to the conclusion that we are uh, not a funny very we are not a funny group of guys so we need it, bloopers Darren is not a merciful man when it comes to editing <laughs> I don't think <laughs> how much have you got what can you uh, what can you supply me with <laughs> nothing nothing blooper dealer
I, I told my, I told, my my daughter has this um this knack for like insightfully hilarious childish comments. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's this woman in town, um, Janana. She's from Bosnia. She's doing some consulting for us at work. And I went to take every time somebody comes in in the Texas, of course, from out of state. I was offered to take them shooting. And so I said, oh, I got to go meet my friend Janana shooting tomorrow, Saturday morning. Can't do that thing we wanted to do. We'll do it Sunday. And then, you know, Saturday morning, Rebecca, she's, she's seven, right? She comes, so she says, Daddy, are you going to, are you going to meet with Banana today? <laughs> banana. So I was talking to her, to her about Frank. Like, oh, I'm going to talk to my buddy Frank that I saw earlier this year, blah, blah, blah. She said, well, Frank? What, like a hot dog? <laughs> I'm like, buddy. I'm calling you hot dog from now on, buddy. I, I've been called worse. <laughs> hot dog. If anyone who hasn't been called worse than hot dog is not worth my time. I guess so, dude. <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta live a little if that's the worst thing you've ever been called. That's for sure, dude. And that's a wrap. And that's a wrap. That's a wrap.